Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Kane McNeil. Thanks for being on the show, Kane. Whitney, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the show, Kane. Kane became a commercial real estate agent and started investing in real estate in 2016 after securing a loan from his parents. Since then, he has paid his parents back, which I'm sure they're glad of, <laughs> and has scaled his portfolio to 40 units with a value of around $4 million. His niche is mobile home parks and multifamily properties in Bay County, Florida. He also owns a property management company. Kane, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to hearing your story and especially from our conversation too before we got started. Tell the listeners, let's update them a little bit about who you are and just the, the niche that you're in and let's move from there. Absolutely. Again, thanks for having me. I a brief front end on me. I got interested in real estate maybe 2014, 15, started listening to some of the popular podcasts. At the time, I was a banker and bought my first duplex in 2016. Right around the time I got my same, I got my license that year. I went full-time on the brokerage side 2017 and went pretty aggressive. I quickly became one of the top producing agents in our in our area here in Bay County. My focus on the brokerage side has been multifamily and mobile home parks, really just because that was what my interest was. I found a lot of clients and buyers through calling owners to, to actually buy myself. And maybe if the metrics didn't work, okay, well, I have a buyer who's looking for something similar and kind of did deals that way. And it took off fast and it's been great. Nice. Okay. So you were a banker and then you jumped into real estate or you know or full-time brokerage tell me about that transition just a little bit you had taken a loan from the parents to make this happen maybe you can elaborate on some of those fears there that you had that i know some of the listeners are probably experiencing as well sure so changing that mindset from the steady w2 paycheck to the when's my next commission coming was pretty terrifying and at the same time i having my first first child so you know that that added everything and but I knew, I knew it was the path I wanted to go on. I'd, I'd been pretty well educated at that point. And yeah, about that first duplex. And at the time, I'm mowing the grass and doing the accounting and patching the holes and you know, doing everything. And from there, as you mentioned earlier, scaled up to about 40 units now. And it's nice to have a manager directly managing the tenants. But yeah, it's, it's really powerful how fast it can scale. You know, I, I just turned 30 and never thought I'd be here back when I was 25, 26 and still in the bank. Did you receive any kind of pushback, say, from, from family or friends about this transition from banker to, you know, the W-2, which people can't see my fingers in the quotation marks, right? The secure J-O-B, right? That mindset shift, right? Because a lot of times when we're in that position, most of the people that we associate with are also in a W-2 position. And so we get a little pushback. And I just wondered if you experienced that. Absolutely. I got told I was crazy, this and that. And I can understand why it's, uh, sure. it feels secure. Although I think folks on this podcast really understand, but it, it's, it's really less secure compared to producing on your own. And so even certain times today, you know, I, I, I feel I've done really well in brokerage, but you still have those times, you, you know, you wonder when the next paycheck's coming and it's, you just got to calm down and remind yourself it's there if you get up and work at it every day. 
Okay. I love that. Like that mindset. It's that's one thing I love about the entrepreneurship journey, just that it's up to you. Right. I mean, it's it's up to you. And that that could feel bad to some people, but I really like that. But you shared a little bit with me at a time, but you didn't think you were always going to go into the brokerage side. Right. Right. You know, as I mentioned earlier, started off Rich Dad, Poor Dad, big book I read when I was, you know, back back around 2014, 15 and knew that real estate was the path I wanted to go down ultimately to achieve financial freedom. Started looking at deals. We buy the duplex. And then I realized I'm probably missing out on a lot of deals by not having access to the MLS really got my license just to access the MLS. And at the time, my, my father had kind of dabbled in real estate, not, you know, didn't do it too much. He, he has a different business by trade and uh, he had a mobile home park that I actually sold for him. And so my paycheck on that was almost as big as what it would have been all year at the bank. And, you know, I, I thought I was onto something there. So I went full time at it and never looked back. You wanted to be a syndicator at one time, right? Yes. Yes. So interestingly enough, that was really my goal. And, you know, I may do it in the future. I think there's a lot of scalability there, obviously, but from having grown this portfolio, my, my dad's my 50-50 partner. So from having grown this portfolio together and not dealing with some of the scrutiny that may come from investors, it's it's kind of been nice. You know, it's, it's just us to hold each other accountable, but we're not going to have those late night calls from a scared investor if the stock market tanks or something. And again, not not opposed to it in the long run, but that was that was my main reason, just the less less scrutiny. Okay. So what about, you know, you're just getting your brokerage career going and it seems to be going well, then all of a sudden a crisis hits. Yes. So October, 2018, we got devastated by Hurricane Michael and didn't get much coverage and that's okay. But Hurricane Michael was actually the third strongest hurricane to ever hit the continental United States. And so our whole town was, I mean, it looked like a bomb went off. To this day, there's still tarps on the roof. I still look out my condo window and there's, there's still scaffolding. You know, the work's still not done. My dad and I also had a 25 unit that had to be gutted down to the studs, completely rebuilt. In the long run, the insurance money and the new property actually ended up working out better numbers-wise, but at the time, it, it doesn't feel too good. And so having dealt with that, Bay County never really came out of disaster mode. And we're filming this on April 30th, 2020. And as you know, we're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So from disaster to disaster, it's been interesting. And I think with each disaster, new opportunities come and there's a lot of pain, but I think if you focus on the opportunities, you can get through it. Help us with that a little bit, like how you've been able to focus on the opportunities or the positive side of maybe what's happening, even though it may seem so horrible You know, at the time. How, how have you done that? From focusing on the, the multifamily and mobile home park niche, I made a lot of relationships with local investors and for the most part, a lot of investors here, they'll buy, you know, singles, doubles, bigger apartments, whatever they can find that makes sense. And so after the hurricane hits, you know, obviously there's a lot of distressed owners for whatever reason. And so having this relationship with investors was able to broker a lot of deals simply because they were cash buyers. We could close deals fast. And that was the opportunity. And that, that following year, 2019 was just incredible sales wise. And you know, when that hurricane hit, you don't really think that's going to happen. But ultimately, you just keep your head down and work hard and keep a positive attitude and good things happen. Any, you know, big learning points that you made or, you know, any big ways that the hurricane or COVID has taught you that maybe have changed the way you operate in the future? I think a big one is review your insurance policies. I've seen a lot of a lot of owners get hurt on things they didn't know either were or were not in their policy. 
make sure that business income's there. I've seen that missed a lot on a big building that could, that could be huge. That could sink you. I, from living on the coast in Florida, I think you buy the most robust policy you can and maybe your returns a little less, but helps you sleep at night. And if a disaster happens, it, it sure comes handy. Yeah. I don't even want to see what the insurance policy would be <laughs> on stuff there with a hurricane just a couple of years ago. Wow. So in what about, you know, in your brokerage business, you're working with syndicators at times, right? And I think recently there was a time where you were working with some, and I wanted you to share that story. Yeah. So recently, you know, we talked about this a little beforehand, but there's been a couple recently and it's, I made a funny point to you that one syndicator, this deal took maybe nine to 10 months from my first phone call and introduction to him to get closed. But the promise was when we found a deal, you know, we close in two to three months, you know, we found a deal the next day. But again, it took about 10 months. Come to find out this was this syndicator's first deal he was putting together. Maybe he wasn't that upfront about it. That's okay. And, you know, things just got hairy. The seller got upset throughout it. The syndicator's investors got upset throughout it. It was just a lot of work and maybe things that could have been avoided by being honest and transparent. Couple that with the other recent syndicator I was working with on a, this was on a mobile home park and honest guys, very transparent. And, you know, we got close to the end of due diligence on all the way through and they found a few items through city permitting and things we may have missed up front that just didn't make sense. And they couldn't pay the seller a number that made sense for the seller. And ultimately we had to squash the deal, but the fact that they were transparent and kept a good relationship with me, it just, it made the world of a difference and that deal almost felt better than the deal I got paid on because it was such a fight for 10 months. And I think that really harps on other brokers you've had on this show and how important relationships and transparency can be when working with a broker. Yeah. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit on how the first one maybe represented themselves, maybe misrepresented it a little bit intentionally or not. You don't have to talk about that, but maybe help the listener and myself to know that we're representing ourselves well, even if it is our first deal. Sure. A big thing was the transparency piece. So kind of presenting yourself. And if you're presenting yourself in a way that, you know, you've got more money and more experience than you might have, it's usually going to come out. We all really appreciate when people are open and honest with us. And when things go wrong and you've been open and honest, well, it's, it's not a big deal. We work past it or we don't, but if things go wrong because you've lied, well, it just, it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And I think that's one of the biggest things is just always being transparent. So the syndicators, investors were upset and the seller was upset. Was it mostly because of the delay and what was causing the delay? You know, I never figured out some of the, some of the reasons for extensions. I think it was certain investors dropping out because of, you know, how long it was taking certain investors hopping back in the seller and the buyer throughout ended up not having the best relationship. And I was kind of playing referee throughout that as well. So I think if it was just open with me, we would have approached it a whole different way. Maybe we tell the seller this, you know, we're shooting for three months, but maybe it takes six or seven and things should and could have gone a lot smoother. Yeah. So you think it was a lot of the capital raise that was the delay or the... I think that's part of it. And being presented with a, a due diligence laundry list that maybe it seems like it came out of a seminar or a class. That's okay. That's great. But again, if you're honest with me and it's telling me it's your first deal and I need all this to give to my investors, that's fine. But if you're telling me you have all this experience, you know, I mentioned a 140 unit deal I recently closed. Local operators, they walk the property once. Yeah, we want it. We close a month later. Those are the buyers, of course, every broker loves to work with. But 
I guess what I'm getting to is just the, the openness would have helped everything, you know? Sure. No doubt about it. And then the, the second one, though, you said it was great to work with them, but the deal didn't happen. And elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, they were just open from the beginning, you know, very interested in the deal. And, and everything we presented them to was what we knew at the time. And when they got to town and we talked to the city permitting office, we found out a few items that would have made their project a lot more expensive than they anticipated. And if I know that's the truth, like how can you be upset at that? And ultimately, that brought their number lower than the seller would expect or would have accepted. The deal still sold later, but it's just hard to be mad at someone when they're transparent with you. Who are you going to take the next deal to? Of course. And, you know, I'll, I'll take it to the <laughs> second guy who didn't close. <laughs> right, right. No, that's awesome. You know, just their professionalism shown, even though the deal didn't close, they had a good reason, right? So what are some ways maybe that you could guide the listener who's trying to get to that first deal when working with a broker? We've done numerous shows on this, but I'd love for just your opinion, maybe a couple things that they could either prepare or have ready or knowledge that they need to have or whatever that may be, maybe a couple pet peeves of yours that you could share with them. Yeah, I think uh, just a basic knowledge is huge. I mean, no one on their first deal is going to know everything, right? So if you come to me with somewhat of a specific criteria, that's going to help. It's not just, hey, Kane, bring me a good deal because then maybe I want to buy that good deal, right? So <laughs> that criteria is huge. And you know, I've harped on transparency the whole time. And don't come into a deal with the intention of retrading. A lot of times you can pick up on that when the guys are meaning to do that from the beginning. But I think just building a relationship with a broker, taking them out to coffee, I know it's cliche, phone call, whatever it may be, just the relationship is huge. And be honest with the broker. Hey, it's my first deal. Help me out. I believe I can close and here's why. Build his confidence. He'll probably bring you a deal. So what's been the the hardest part of this real estate journey for you, Kane? You know, going from the W-2 to going full-time or maybe there's a specific deal or growing your business. What's been that for you? And the hardest part is sometimes just reminding yourself, if you work hard, it's all going to work out. I think I've been very fortunate and blessed so far in this career, but you still have those days, you know, you wonder if it's the right choice. And it 100% is, but you know, sometimes you just, you got to be persistent. Is there some way that you stay motivated or maybe somebody that helps support you in that or partner, business partner or anything like that? Yeah, I do have some good mentors. A huge one's my dad. Another thing that helps me is, is getting up early every morning. I think getting ahead of the day, getting the, the nuances of the day out of the way. So that way you're proactive and not reactive when the workday actually starts. My productivity just goes up so much and that ultimately leads to confidence. So I think getting up early is probably the biggest piece of advice I could give anybody. Got to have a plan for that morning though, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. A morning routine is huge. Any takeaways that you could give us for morning routine quickly? I like to exercise, knock out the emails that I need to get out of the way, do the things I don't want to do first. And that way the rest of the day, I'm doing the things I enjoy and being more productive than I would have been if I'm reactive all day. What's a way you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Uh, Starting the management company was huge because my market is not necessarily that big. I want to stay local in my market. I want to be able to keep an eye on my deals. And so having hired third-party management up until this point, you want to buy the bigger deals so you have that scale. But now that I have the management company, I'm open to buying the ones, twos, threes, and fours again because my efficiency is built in with owning the management. So whatever that may mean for, for anyone with their, with their current situation, I think, yeah, that's, that's been my biggest key lately. Nice. So what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? The persistence. Probably the early mornings. Okay. And how do you like to give back? 
I actually do a lot of mentoring and it's not through a specific program. I believe in real estate and the power to change your life so much that I, I like giving it back. Currently I'm working with a family member actually, and he shows a lot of potential. He just got married. He's got a baby on the way and I see the excitement in his eye and it's cool to see what I had when I first started. And I, I think he'll do great, but it's ultimately more rewarding for me than it is for him. You know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least initially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kane, grateful for your time today. I appreciate you just sharing your story and the transition from W-2 to going to that commission pay like you're talking about or just being a full-time entrepreneur is, is a difficult transition for most, you know, whether they like to admit it or not, you know, just making that happen. But in just even going to the good and bad things that you, you know, you've noticed in working with different operators and syndicators, it's good for us to hear those things again. But how can people get in touch with you and learn more about you? I'm on LinkedIn. They can Google Kane McNeil, Century 21 Commander Realty. All my contacts and contact info is right there. Call me anytime. Awesome, Kane. That's a wrap. Thank you very much. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.